August 1st, 2022, if you count up from where the lines get wide, three lines up, two words before the end of the line, we'll go back to that Beraita, the Gemara begins for our purposes with Tanya, a Beraita, Rabbi Nehorai Omer, Dor Sheben David Babo Nearim Yalbinu Penezekeni Muskenim Yaamdu Lifne Nearim, the generation within which Ben David, of course Mashiach, a reference to Mashiach, will come in. It'll be one in which Nearim, <coughs> the young men and women, Yalbinu Penezekenim, they'll be embarrassing the elders, they'll be uh, brazen, they'll be inappropriately self confident. Uzkenim, and on the flip end, the elderly, the perhaps wise ones as well, the ones who should be distinguished and honorable, they'll be standing up, they'll be consenting to this demand of kabod on behalf of the younger, wrongfully acting generation. Ubat kama bi'ima, and daughters will be rising up against, in a wrongful fashion, their mothers, Vikala and daughter-in-laws, Bahamota against their mother-in-laws, Upnehador, Kipnehakelev. We interpret that in one of three ways, but for our purposes in this context, it appears as if it has to do with not having any shame. That was one of the interpretations of Rashi earlier. For one reason or another, to envision the face of another like the face of a dog, there's no shame, there's none of that emotional connectedness to realizing this is inappropriate. The enhaben mitbayesh me'aviv. And lastly, along the lines of what we saw earlier, in each of those statements, a son won't have any embarrassment from his father. Tanya, Rabbi Nehemiah Omer, Dor Sheben David Babo, Ha'azut Tarbe, Az Az Kanamer, has to do with a fierceness. It appears, I mean, fierceness, of course, could be positive. Kanamer, when we talk about that in the morning, we talk about doing it positively over here. It, uh, the potential that's being tapped into is in a negative way. That fierce side will be used wrongfully. Yoker has to do with grandeur, with, uh, with a higher level status. Ivut means something that goes uh, crooked. What's that? Yeah, so Rashi has one of the two interpretations on the right-hand side, several lines from the bottom. says, Rashi, either Either it means that they won't respect one another. That's what we've been reading about until now. Alternatively, the word yoker, instead of the kabod that I have for you, is a reference to an individual. There's an individual who's yakar. It's the dignified individual. The dignified individuals, yavet, they'll be the ones who will be, uh, you know, crooked. You'll expose, and they'll be exposed to all their rotten sides. So either it's a reference to the general overarching attitude of the generation, we won't know how to respect one another, or the respectable individuals, more specifically, they'll lose that straightness. Vehagefen yiten piryo, vehayain biyoker. And the statement furthermore is that the gefen yiten piryo, even though there'll be plenty of grapes, as Rashi afal pichen hayayin beyoker even though there'll be plenty of grapes, in other words, this is a mashal, nonetheless, the wine will be very expensive because although there'll be plentitude, it won't be used 
purposefully and appropriately. You can have plenty of grapes, but if you're not producing wine, well then, and the wine is not positive, and the grapes are not ripe, and they're not uh, tasting good, so then what's it worth? So you'll have people of status, you'll have a generation perhaps of means, but if they don't know how to maximize that potential, so then what was it worth? Lastly, again, and all of the monarchy will turn over to heresy, or more specifically what the Hachamim were referring to is Christianity. That's their vision. Their vision is that it all ends very different than the way we envision it today. We think perhaps about Islam, but their vision was that it will all end with heresy of specifically Christianity with regards to the ruling powers that will be. No rebuke will be able to in any way change the direction and trajectory. That last statement with regards to the Malchut being Nehebcha uh, leminut, the monarchy will become one of heresy. This is uh, supporting the statement of Rabbi Yitzhak. After all, Rabbi Yitzhak said, En ben David ba, Ashiach will only come, It'll only he will only arrive once we have this widespread Christianity and heresy. Not actually seeking an explicit pasuk, but perhaps a remez, a hint in the pasuk to this sort of concept that will have this widespread heresy in Christianity before the coming of Mashiach. It's an interesting second time we've seen in this Perek a reference to the Pesukim by Sara'at in order to understand a reality. The Halakha by Sara'at, as the Torah describes it is, if you find blotches, if you find spots of white, Tameh, that's a problem. What if the entire body, Nehepach Lavan, the entire body became white? Tahor, I don't understand. If there are spots of white, it's problematic. If it's entirely white, in other words, it's completely filled with Sarat, with the Nega, that's Tahor. First and foremost, the application. The application goes as follows. When is the ripe and appropriate time for the taharat ha'olam? When is Mashiach coming? When it's kulod nehefach lavan? When it's all white? When Christianity, when heresy abounds? But conceptually, how do you make sense of that? You might say, heck, it's just like that. The Torah says that's the way Sarat works. Maharal alternatively suggested as follows. We've been, I even talked about this some time ago, we've been familiar with circumstances where the situation has gotten so dire and so bad that the only way out of it is for utter and absolute destruction to envision it as going rock bottom and then building up again. But if you just have the spots of negativity, there's still the vision. This can be, still be salvaged. There's still something to be affected over here. Oftentimes, when something has gotten to the point that it is so down and low with regards to its stature, in terms of its evil nature, you need it literally to be wiped out, and only then can you see that as positive with regards to the opportunity to now rebuild. It's the Gemara at the end of Masechim Makot, very appropriate for this time period. It's what Rabbi Akiva sees and perceives in Har Habayit when he sees the Shu'al, uh, the, uh, the animal just walking in Makot. Whereas everyone else is crying and sees in that the worst situation and dire circumstance we could arrive in, Rabbi Akiva effectively with his nivua, uh, with describing the nivua, understands in that 
This is the seeds for a new for a new building. That's the vision here in our Gemara. The description is the world will need to be filled with heresy in order for us to pull out of it. When it's just a pocket here and a reference there and an explanation in another place, well, that's still something that people aren't able to see for what it is. It's only when it's kulon nehefach lavan. It's only when the body is filled with the sarat. You say that person is afflicted to the extent that it's not just a dead spot here and a dead spot there. It's fully dead. And now there's going to be a rebirth. Now there'll be the sprouting and the opportunity for growth in the future. That, in my mind, is the reference of Ravat to that pasuk. Tanu Rabbanana Beraita ki yadin Adonai Amo Vegomer ki ki azelat yad ve'efes asur ve'azuv. It's a pasuk which ostensibly is describing Yemota Mashiach, and it has referenced in it the judgment of God, yadin Adonai Amo. And then you have in it as well, Azelat Yad, the hand uh, went, the hand seemed to be gone in some way. What's that a reference to? A hand, of course, could refer to so many different things. You can have a strong hand, you can have a prosperous hand, and so forth, but we're talking about some sort of judgment of the nation with, re- with regards to and in tandem with Azelat Yad, En Ben David Ba, the first statement over here, and again, each one of these, not so much conjecture, but interpretation with regards to their understanding of what will be the reality, what needs to be the reality, how you're going to bring the lowest of the low of these people. The first opinion says, of course, Rabbi. Many people have that word. To be moser means to hand over, means to talk about others from your nation in reporting them to others. If you're seeking and searching for the lowest that a community can get, it's when they're tattling and telling one on the other. It's when they're handing over one another. That's when the hand has been outstretched. It's time for the ultimate judgment, quote-unquote, the time period of Mashiach. That's the first vision. It's when we turn against each other. Alternatively, and again, none of these contradict per se one another, but the azelat yad means the strength of hand with regards to education is lost. We're no longer having the people who are teaching and studying and spreading proper wisdom. That's azelat That's the time period, period during which, unfortunately, we've hit rock bottom, Mashiach's entrance, so to speak. Again, none of these are per se contradicting or negating the other. This last one is the strength of hand is a prosperous, is a financial strength of hand. And the idea then is there's no money left in your pocket. There's no hand to put into the pocket and take out money into your purse, into your wallet. That's the time period we're referring to. And lastly, What's that? Well, there's no more cash. That's that opinion. There's no money left. No money left. Uh, again, I'm saying it's not independent of the other ones. It might be because you're not educated properly. It might be because you're turning one on the other. Is that so? We're there. We're there. Uh, we're there. All right. It, yeah. Uh, and lastly, listen, listen. If we talked like that uh, just 80 years ago, they'd slap us. You, we don't have money anyway. The last interpretation is the Yemota Mashiach will arrive. Is appropriately destined for a time period during which. There's despair and there's giving up on the Geula. That's a fascinating statement, which we're going to spend another line or two on. It's a time during which people assume 
ah, this whole Mashiach business, this whole redemption uh, situation is lost, it's gone. Shine'emar, ve'efes asur ve'azuv. The Pasuk talks about some sort of asur ve'azuv. There's an abandoned nature. Kivyachol, it's when people say one to the other, en somech ve'ozer li Yisrael. There's no one to lean on, there's no one to help out Yisrael. Meaning, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will not redeem us were forever damned in this existence. Says the Gemara, this is similar to Kihadir Bizera, similar to what Rabbi Zera would do. Listen to the strange and difficult to comprehend uh, action of Rabbi Zera, Kihava Mashkach, when he would find Rabbanan, rabbis, Dime who were dealing with uh, calculating Yemota Mashiach. Now, mind you, the entire half of the other side of this page, will have opinion after opinion after opinion after opinion with regards to what are Yemot HaMashiach, how's it going to be, when's it going to be. Rabbi Zera, when he would find people doing such things, Amar Lehu, he would turn to them and say, Bematuta, please, I beseech you, Ba'ina Minaychu, I demand of you, La Terahakuha, don't distance it. Meaning, by dealing with and thinking about and interpreting and determining the days of Yomot HaMashiach, what it's going to look like when it's going to arrive, you'll be effectively doing the opposite of what you want. You'll be distancing it. Strange statement furthermore. Again, redemption will come when we give up from it. Rabbi Zera's statement, don't look too much into it. By doing so, you won't be bringing it. Detanina, after all, we have the following rabbinic statement. I guess Rabbi Zera would tell them. There are three realities which arrive when we take our mind off it in a state of distraction. Eluhen, Mashiach. The first, of course, is Mashiach, what we've been referring to. Messiah. Messiah means you found something. It's rare, if not well. I don't know. You know, I don't know if they do this any longer. It used to be on the uh, on the ocean. They used to go on the beach with the uh, metal detectors. I guess there you're looking for Messiah without hesech hadat. But generally speaking, the true Messiah, you found something it was unexpected. You don't go searching for. A, uh, a, an unexpected finding. By definition, a messiah means something you happened upon. And lastly, akrab is a scorpion. In other words, if you're, if you're diligent and careful with organization and looking and being, care, um, and being uh, um, cognizant of your surroundings, the assumption is scorpions are not making their way in. Uh, there is a notable exception to this. I was at my sister in Beit Shemesh a few years ago, and it was uh, a Shabbat for celebrating, I think it was her daughter's bat mitzvah, where I walked into the living room, and I didn't even know in Israel they have scorpions. I found the scorpion, mamash, and we had to kill it in a wild situation on Shabbat. Apparently there's still that danger. It was not with Hesei Hadat. I specifically found it. I wasn't looking for it. But maybe that was Hesei Hadat. Anyway, uh, well, what's with the idea of Mashiach being the Hesei Hadat? What's with the Yitya Ashum and Hagi'ulam? I wonder if the interpretation goes as follows. There is a piyut, which some people say around Rosh Hashanah time, it's always been near and dear to my heart for one reason or another. It's written by Rabbi Shalomo ibn Gabirol. And it's got this very enigmatic, mysterious statement that it says, Evrah mimmecha elecha. I'll run from and to you. Again, the statement is, imagine I'm scared of you. I say, I'll run from you and to you. 
I'll run from you until you run from. You don't run from and to. Harambamnes Perusha Mishnayot seems to be sharing that statement in the context of Yamim Noraim, Mivrah Umanos Elav. We're running and fleeing from and to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. The interpretation I once read and heard goes as follows It's to understand a dependency upon God, means to understand how much. There is no natural course of events that could bring forth my success. Which means to say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm so scared of you because I realize I have no chance in this judgment. Because I realize I've come so low and so distant in our relationship, I'm running from you. I'm so scared. I don't want to face you. I come home after a long day where you realize you made a mistake with something or another with your spouse. You want to run from them. Your boss, when you all had bosses, you should all have bosses. It's important. It's healthy. And yet, boss, I made a mistake in business. I'm running from from them, but ultimately speaking, I realize I don't have a chance. I can't run from this business. I can't run from this relationship. So I turn back and I hope that they will have the clemency and the mercy and the ability to extend themselves to me. The statement in turn over here is if you're calculating, if in your mind you have figured out when and how Yemota Mashiach will arrive, there's too much of you in it. There's too much of your vision and your confidence and your ability to say, this is something I'm in control of. That's not the way we envision or should be envisioning this moment in time from Borei Olam. It's a moment in time during which we say this was his power. This was not something that we, so to speak, were able to and did manipulate. That's the idea. So it's not that I have my mind off of Yemota Mashiach. That's a hova. It's one of the 13 ikare emuna, according to Rambam. I'm being mehake for him. The statement instead is the particulars, the details, the moment that you think that you're figuring them out is the moment you're diminishing from his power, his efforts in it. Amar Katina, the Gemara now transitions to something connected but somewhat divergent. Amar Katina, shit alfe shane. There are 6,000 years of existence. Now these years need not be taken in the literal sense of years, although they have been over the course of time somewhat uh, interpreted as such. Um, you know, in other words, that 6,000 years will be the years. There's a, there's a parallel Gemara in Masechet Avodah Zarah. You see that Mekubalim Ramban Nachmani in his commentary to the Torah points out that these 6,000 years, as the Gemara will liken them to a day in the life, quote unquote, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Ke'elef shanim so each one of those thousand years is like a one day. He in turn envisions each of these 6,000 years as one of the days of creation. And there's a parallel with regards to what took place to the days of creation. Uh, this is longer, broader, uh, arching issues, uh, most of which we won't be able to address. And I couldn't even if I wanted to. Shit al alma There'll be 6,000 years of existence and one year of utter and desolate destruction and emptiness. Shin will be the lone remainder on that day. Again, day, as the Gemara will say, is a thousand years. That's the year set or the period of 7,000. In other words, that last thousand years. Abaye Amar, Abaye says it's not one year of desolate destruction and utter, utter uh, um, uh, emptiness. There's two. There's two days. All right. Says the Gemara, we have a Beraita, which accords with that first opinion. One year of desolate emptiness. 
כשם, says the Beraita, כשם שהשביעית משמטת שנה אחת, the same way every seven years there's a one year desolate emptiness in the fields, of course שמיטה, פרשת בהר in the Torah, כך העולם משמט אלף שנים לשבעת אלפים שנה, so to the world has this one Seven thousand, one one thousand year of desolate emptiness, and that's seven the the seven thousand uh, you know domain and realm sheneimar v'niskav adonai levado bayomahu. Of course, this idea of the seventh being a stopping time is parallel with regards to Shabbat as well. There's the six days of activity. There was the six days of activity in creation of the world, and then there's the last day, as Rav Katina is suggesting it, of stop. Of emptiness, of uh, uh, of uh, uh, of an olam batel to a certain extent. Ve'omer, and as the pasuk says, mizmor shir liyom hashabbat, yom shekulo shabbat. The reference in mizmor shir liyom hashabbat, we might as pashtanim interpret as yom hashabbat, the actual seventh day of Shabbat. Instead, understand it as yom, a day which is kulo shabbat, meaning a, a, a time period during which is fully shut down. Means that the reference to the Shabbat day is in truth the reference to that last segment, the 7,000 time period uh, during which there's a thousand years of emptiness until it passes. Uh, the reference again, bringing it back to what we, uh, what we described earlier, in my mind, I mean, why even, even conceptualize a time period during which it needs to be empty? If, ultimately speaking, we're seeking that oneness, that understanding of God's unity and existence with regards to its pervasive nature in this world, there needs to be a reset. The reset is that last thousand years. You've descended, you've made, brought yourself to this point where, quote-unquote, it's fully white, back to the Misorah, Sara'at imagery, uh, needs to be now. That is fully white before we restructure it. Tanad ve'eliyahu, statement of the Midrash of Eliyahu. There's a mahloket amongst many about Eliyahu in each of these references. Who's that? Is it Eliyahu Hanavi? Or was it a rabbi whose name was Eliyahu? You might wonder that every day when we say Tanad ve'eliyahu. Tanad ve'eliyahu, sheshet alafim shana alma, the 6,000 years of existence, again, need not be taken as a literal interpretation, even though the rabbis will get literal on this, because Rashi will interpret the first 2,000 years and the next 2,000 years. Okay, but the question is, with regards to the totality of this imagery and understanding whether it is so, if it is, we're just missing it. We're just missing it, because we're in, what, 5, 7, 8, 2. Anyway, shene alafim tohu, the first 2,000 are tohu. What's tohu? So we imagine is tohu vavo is utter chaos and void. All right, well, maybe that's what it was. Then you got your 2,000 years of Torah. The Gemara, which Rashi cites from Masechet Abu Dazarah, has the first 2,000 years of existence from Adam and Hava until Abraham. That was utter chaos and void. Or alternatively, tohu is a time period during which there's potential. It's a time period during which we haven't yet fashioned what's to come. Tohu vavohu, Ramban Nachmani in his commentary to the Torah says there wasn't nothing, there was mass, there was hail, there was the opportunity to craft with it. I hand you clay, I hand you the raw materials, I say build this home, build, uh, sculpt this, uh, this uh, statue, I'm giving you tohu and I'm telling you sculpt and bring forth something. So for 2,000 years 
existence was such that there's a latent state of potential. Abraham Avinu v'hanefesh Hashem asu beharan the Gemara Amudazara cites how he's bringing in converts, how he's bringing them to the belief and knowledge of God. Now that's the time period of Torah. What happens after those two thousand years? Uh, those last 2,000 years are the years where there's potential for the coming of Mashiach, says Rashi. But wait a second, does that mean we've elapsed the period of Torah? After all, after the first 2,000 years, Tohu was gone, we capitalized, we maximized on potential. So there's no longer Tohu and there's Torah period. After the next 2,000 years, when you got up to year 4,000, does that mean Torah is done? Says Rashi, no, it's a little different over here. Rashi's words are, It's not that Torah is done after 2000. I mean, what would that be saying about us? Alternatively, says Maharshai, says we're dealing with after exile, after destruction of Mikdash, is when we elapse the second 2000 years. We don't have the same status of Torah. It says, look back at Torah as it's being constructed, quote-unquote, the creative interpretations, the hidushim, which are coming forth, I was qualitatively, by definition, different than it has been in the last uh, 1,700 years, or 2,000 years since destruction. And as a result, says Maharsha, yes, it has elapsed. Not that we don't have Torah, but we don't have the same status. We don't have the same potency of Torah. All right, that's what the Gemara says. And because of our iniquities and wrongdoing, Shirabu, which abound, which we have so many of them, in other words, the Chachmeh Talmud are saying, or Tanad Velia was saying, you can only see what we've done with these last 2,000 years. Now keep in mind, we're dealing with at least 1,700 years ago, this statement. Imagine 1,700 years later, we say, this is the time period during which, quote-unquote, we can and should be looking and searching for the coming of Mashiach. Back then, there's, ah, look how we've wasted these several hundred years. Vision now would be, look how we've wasted these several thousand years. Yeah. What has come from them has come, yeah. It's a little bit of a contradictory statement, no? because on one hand, the, names, like, the Jews are supposed to be lost, you know, not learning, Torah's gone, they're at the lowest point, and on the other hand, Omashiach didn't come because you guys didn't do anything for it. It's a great point. So that's Jesse, listen. We're supposed to be in the lowest of the low. We're supposed to be cheating one another, telling on one another, not respecting one another, desolate with regards to our vision of God. On the other hand, says Tanad Veliyahu, and look at the Avonotenu Harabim. All right, there's always that. Uh, there's going to be that contradiction. In other words, there's going to be, this is the promise, let's look to overcome it. This is the vision of where it's going to be. We can't now say, oh, so I'm not responsible for it. You're right, there is, there is a blatant contradiction in this. Um, with that regard, says the Gemara, Amar Eliyahu. Now that we've mentioned Tanadeve Eliyahu, I guess, and we talked about Yomot Mashiach. Now we talk about Eliyahu Navi. Amar Eliyahu le Rav Yehuda, Ahuha de Rav Sila Hasida. There's more than one conversation between Eliyahu and the Gemara and this Rav Yehuda, the brother of Rav Sila Hasida. Here was the statement: In Ha'olam Pachot Mishmonim v'Hamisha Yovlot, the world will not be less than. 85 seven-year periods. That's, uh, that's 4,250 years. How do I know that? Rashi told me that. But you could also, if you're good at math. Anyway, so 85 times 7 we're dealing with uh, over here. And in the last of those seven-year periods, 
Thank you, thank you. Your veil is 50, and as a result, we're dealing with 85 times 50. That's how we got to that huge number. Jeffrey, you're going to let me go again on that one, huh? And in the last of the 50 years, Ben David, Mashiach will come. So in other words, when you're in the last 50 years, after the elapsing of 4,250 years. Amarle, the question that this Rav Yehuda asks Eliyahu is, Bitchilato o besofo, pause for a second. Again, I say to you, if we're taking this literally, uh, what happened? We either already had Mashiach, or, you know, well, that's what the Gemara is going to have a lot of calculations like that. And as a result, in my mind, I don't know how to take them in the not literal sense, but I think they need to have conceptual lessons beyond the literal. It may have been their vision in a literal sense, but we need to be able to, in some way, understand the message to us in a time period perhaps after the one that they're describing. He says to him, Will Mashiach arrive at the beginning of that 50-year period, the last one, or at the end? I don't know, says Eliyahu. Kale o eno kale. According to Rashi, the interpretation is, is the 50 years like finished, or is it still in the middle? Amale eni odea. He says, I don't know. Ravashi interpreted, this is what Eliyahu Hanavi was telling this Rav Yudah, It says, until now, you didn't really have, until that period, don't really be looking and anticipating too much. Understand he's coming, but don't assume he's coming tomorrow. From that period and onward, meaning even if you've elapsed that time period, now it's the time period during which there's an actual potential for the arrival of Mashiach. Again, the Gemara, of course, specifically with the reference of Eliyahu saying, Eni Yodea, it's another one of these, this Heseh Hadat business. It's this idea of if you're overthinking this, if you're pinpointing, of course, there's going to be mass despair and giving up. If you imagine and you assume, well, now Mashiach has to come and he didn't come, what are you doing to the people? What are we doing to ourselves on matters that we can't fathom or understand? It's for that reason. I mean, that's the that's the, that's the statement in Masechet Hagigab. Don't be involved in matters that are beyond your comprehension. The second you get involved in such matters and assume that you do understand it when you actually don't, when your interpretation of it isn't fulfilled, this despair, the agony, the letdown. I mean, we've had periods in our national history during which people were certain Mashiach was coming. Without the arrival of Mashiach, everybody gave up. There was suicide and there was uh, conversion and so forth. If you overdo this vision of it's at this moment and it didn't come, and it happens every few years until today. People will make statements of Mashiach is coming by the end of the year. And then what? When he doesn't, what are you doing to your followers and your adherents? But Jared, what I'm telling you, you're right. But what I'm telling you is if you overdo it, and I think they're purposefully not overdoing it, you've, you've turned the people into uh, people who have no hope any longer. Supposedly, we need to have no hope we need to have a, a, a combination of no hope and confusion while at the same time anticipation. If you've, if you've given up all hope, you're not anticipating anything. So that's, I think there's a careful line that they're treading. It's Yaakov in the book. <coughs> it's Yaakov. <laughs> 
Says Yaakov, I want to tell you what's going to happen in the end of the day. Says Rashi, based on the Midrash, based on the Gemara, God then makes vanish from his mind and his, and his words the ability to expose the end of days. So then why God let him say those words to them? What Morris is suggesting is what Yaakov in that moment, through God's, of course, you know, help and aid is, he turns to him and says, guys, there's going to be an aharit ha'amim. Let me start to tell you about it. And then he starts stuttering, and then he can't get it out. It means you've got me thinking about it, but if you actually described it, I closed my book on life because either I didn't see it being fulfilled or alternatively, I know how it's going to be fulfilled. There has to be a mechasek tefach and a megale tefachayim, an exposure of a little bit and a, uh, and a concealment of others. Says the Gemara, Shalach le Rav Hanan bar Tachlifa le Rav Yosef. Another mysterious midrash over here. Says the Gemara, there was a message that was sent from Rav Hanan bar Tachlifa to Rav Yosef Masati. I found Adam Ehad. Some fellow, a certain man, and he was holding a scroll of some sort, Ashurit Kodesh. It was written in Ashurit. You might remember the Gemara and Dafkaf Aleph. It's an Assyrian script. The Gemara and Dafkaf Aleph, which I remember actually, it was when I was quarantined. We learned it on Zoom. Um, as the Gemara and Dafkaf Aleph described how the Torah was given. This is the words of the Gemara. We interpreted and dealt a little bit with it at the time. Biktav ibri ubelashon hakodesh. It was given with the old ibri font, which is different than the one that you see on the page. That's the Ten Commandments picture, which I sent in the chat at the time. That's right. And in lashon hakodesh, Hebrew. Ezra's days, he, he transformed it. Ezra's days, for one reason or another, it's in the font that you have on the page in the Sefer Torah, and in Lashon Arami. It was now in Aramaic. Then the Gemara says, what happened, for one reason or another, is we have Kitab Ashuri, that's the font we have on the page in the Sefer Torah, Belashon HaKodesh. If you have the combination of those two, says Marsha, in interpreting this line in the Gemara, it means you're holding on to our tradition. It means you're from our nation. The fact that you have the Assyrian font with Lashon HaKodesh means you're really in. You're a, you're a part of the clan. Anyway, he has holding this item which has Kitab Ashuri and Lashon HaKodesh and the rabbi, Rab Hanan Bar Taklifa, turns to this person who encounters him with this scroll. Amarti lo zomi lecha. He says, where'd you get that from? Amarli, he responded, lehayalot shel romi niskarti. He says, I was enrolled. I was uh, a part of the Roman troops. And I found it amongst their remnant scrolls. I found this in the Roman treasure trove. And it says on that set, on that scroll, again, in the Hebrew word, in the Hebrew language, in the Kitab Ashuri, what we would call the Hebrew font today, after Arbat Alafim, 4,000, 291 shana from the creation of the world. Ha'olam yitom, the world will end. Mehen milhamot, there'll be wars, taninim, of great sea monsters, says Rashi. We know taninim are created in Sheshit Mebereshit in Torah. Mehen milhamot, Gogumagog, Ushariyamota Mashiach, there'll be the wars of Gogumagog as described in the Navi, Ushariyamota Mashiach, and the other circumstances of Motamash. Then there'll be desolate existence until 7,000. 
His version, instead of that 4,291, was either 5,291 or the number 5,000. What are we to make of that statement with regards to the mysterious scroll found in the troves of Rome? The Gemara gives no clues as to interpreting it, leaves it to our imagination and interpretation. Baruch Adonai Amen, Amen.